welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. I'm your host, Piers Ward, and I have no Andy Prowman, but I do have a very special guest today, Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan Golf, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Nice yeah, to see you. This is my second time on? I think it is, yeah. Maybe. We've done one a while now, isn't it? Maybe yeah, a couple of years two. ago. It's got to be a few years ago. Yeah, a couple of yeah. years ago. Well, this podcast is all about stopping your slice. So if you're listening to this and you have a slice, the most common shot in golf, the most common bad shot in golf, then this could be for you. Because what we're going to do is we're going to pick Chris's brains on everything he knows about the slice. We're going to have a discussion between us as well. And the reason we're doing this is because at meandmygolf.com at the moment, uh, the theme is sliced. August, the theme is slice. So everything on the website at the moment is about the slice. We've got the Facebook group. We've got the Fix My Slice plan, which I filmed the other day, which is, uh, I think, going down really well. But... Chris, the slice. It's the nemesis of most golfers, isn't it? It is, What yeah. does it do? When, when people come to you and book a lesson or they speak to you online, what does it do to them? I mean, in short, it just makes it really hard to enjoy their golf like they would. And I think, you know, certainly when I, when I look at myself as a golf coach, what is my job? And it, it's really just to get people to enjoy their golf more. And that mm. often is lower scores. And you know, if you're standing there with a driver and you're constantly flaring out to the right, you are losing distance, you're missing fairways, you're looking for golf balls, and it just generally just takes the enjoyment out of the game, and, and, and that's why we want to try and eliminate it if we can. Yeah, I think so. I think that you're exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the loss of confidence, the loss of enjoyment, and these are what we're looking for. So what we are going to do, we're literally going to have a little quick chat about equipment, and then we're going to move into the different areas of the game. And then I'm going to ask you at the end, I haven't really told you this yet, actually. I'm going to ask you at the end for maybe some top fixes that you can give. So first of all, let's, let's start with equipment. What are your thoughts on equipment? Um, so we've actually just played a couple of holes. We have. Um, and we had a really good conversation about equipment. Yeah. So I'm using um, a SIM2 driver, eight degrees aloft, which for me is lofted up by two degrees. Mm-hmm. So it plays at 10. Mm-hmm. And that was fitted by um, Sam Day, one of the Telemed Tour reps down at Wentworth. That's my driver spec. Now, when you add loft to the driver, you actually slightly close the face. Absolutely. Um, that suits my game. But I recently had a lesson trying to do a few different things in my swing. And part of that lesson was to get it lofted right the way down. So this it was, was eight Steve Furlonger, head, wasn't Steve it? Steve Furlonger. Yep. Trying to get more speed. Eight degree head, we went down to six degrees. <laughs> but when you de-loft the club, it opens mm-hmm. the face. Mm-hmm. Now. I, this was last week. I'd actually forgotten that I'd changed my club. So we went and played a few holes. First time I hit driver, this thing went low and it went curving way right into the trees. And as soon as I hit that shot, I said to Piers, I've still got my driver set on, on six degrees. But it just shows that the way my driver was set up promoted that left to right slice. Um, and so equipment is massive because, you know, when you change loft using the loft sleeve, which are on most of the clubs now, that will change face angle. Mm-hmm. We've also got, you know, Telemade will do draw bias drivers yep. where the weight is more towards the heel, the club will sit maybe a little bit closed. You've then also got things like shaft weight, shaft flex, which all play a role. And individually, you know, maybe shaft weight, shaft flex plays a small role, but when you put it all into one golf club, it can be huge. Big difference. You know, you could take a great player who hits the driver really straight and easily get them to hit a slice just by giving them, you know, the wrong loft yeah, or the yeah. wrong face angle, the wrong shaft. Um, so it has to be has to be a factor when we're looking at fixing slice. Mm. And if someone out there is really struggling with a slice, the reality is to fix that slice, it probably isn't going to be just a lesson. No. It's going to be, you know, equipment, it's going to be the lesson, it's going to be the trait. It has to be the whole package and, and equipment is a huge part of that. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely a few other things for me as well on that. You talk about the loft sleeve, you look at the tailor-made driver, again, not really that okay with other manufacturers on this, but I know with the tailor-made driver, 
you have the neutral, the standard loft, you have the um, de-lofted and yeah. you have the more loft, but you also have the upright yeah. lie angle as well. You don't see that until you actually take the loft sleeve out. It's almost like a secret position. I know that if, I've losing the, if I'm losing the ball out to the right, I'll put it in that upright mode, which again, gives you more ability to have the face left. Yeah. And I think, I just, I don't know, and this is something the manufacturers won't say, but I just think that we drivers, I think they're probably a bit long for a lot of golfers. And so I think we, length, length of the yeah, shaft, yeah. sorry, yeah, length of the shaft is too long. And I think that promotes heel strikes. Yeah. And you know, if you're someone who's five foot eight, and you're slicing your driver, I know you can put it up on a T peg, you yeah, can get yeah. away with it, but maybe consider having a 43 inch shaft in yeah, there, yeah. shortening the shaft and not hitting it out the heel. Yeah. I think, I think the key message is, if you can see someone who is an expert in putting you in the right equipment, um, then it's another one of those boxes that's ticked and yes. you, can, you can go on the course and you know it's not the equipment but you know like you say you know getting that upright setting adding a bit of loft all these things can help mm. and, and for a lot of golfers a little bit of help in every area can make a massive difference yeah, yeah for sure okay so that's the equipment let's go with the setup what's your thoughts on setup so setup is setup's a tricky one for, for me in terms of well, I'm starting with, with ball tee height because Typically, we see slicers trending towards lower tees. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's plenty of reasons why that happens. But if you're trying to move away from a slice, that lower tee makes it really hard. Indeed. It's, the lower tee kind of works well or works better with that golfer. But if you're looking to move away from a slice, you're effectively trying to change how the club is delivered to the ball. And then suddenly, that lower tee makes that really difficult. So very often, the slicers will have a lower tee. Mm -hmm. I would generally like to see that tee height increase a little bit coinciding with the change that we're going to talk about um, and that's where you know this needs to start on the range yeah. you know tee at high might look a little bit uncomfortable we might hit some poor shots initially so first thing I would really do is look at tee height mm -hmm. because I know for my game for example the more I tee the ball down the more I get on top of it steep and my path gets to the left and we know those are traits of a, of a, a slicer so tee height's important um, get that a little higher and then I would look at tilts and angles just just quickly on the tee height as well again just just to back that up i mean the tee height will determine your intention on the 100%. shot so if you 100%. want to play a, a high draw then you've got more chance obviously if you tee the ball high and obviously i'm the same as you if i've got to want to play a fade i'll tee that ball really low yeah. and you think of someone like sergio who doesn't obviously so much hit a fade but he wants to hit it straight and he's all about consistency and accuracy yeah and you know you look at tiger talks about the fact of you know and, and nicholas did this as well they almost want to hit it low heel on the strike when it comes to hitting that sort of fade and they'll tee it low to allow for that yeah so yeah exactly. sorry but yeah um and then so yeah body angles tilts um and i think you know when we're looking at the slice yeah it can happen with all the clubs through the bag and often we do see that with slices but i guess if we're looking at the driver mm -hmm. it is the club of the bag where the ball is pushed as far forward as as any other club uh, and that influences how a golfer stands to the ball so really common to see that forward tee position relate to the golfer reaching over it with their trail arm that tends to throw the right shoulder forward very often it throws the the hips out of sync yeah and and someone like yourself you know who's an experienced coach you could always look at someone's setup and say yeah that's a slicing setup yeah now, it doesn't matter it doesn't mean they will but there's you know it influences how they move the body influences yeah. how they move the club but for a lot of golfers, getting themselves into a neutral starting position with that ball so far forward feels 
really awkward, doesn't it? It doesn't mm. feel comfortable because yeah, the ball yeah. is so far, yeah. so far forward. Totally agree, totally agree. Like you say, reaching for it, getting their shoulders open, and then almost seeing that as the way that they play golf, and that's how yeah. that's almost how they see straight, and, and they're feeling that they're aiming yeah. with their shoulders parallel to their target line, but they're nowhere near. Yeah, it's, it's changing. It is, like I say, it's what they see as straight, and, and it's amazing how many people come to me and say things like, you know, my shoulders get a bit open, have you got a drill to fix it? I'm like, there's no drill. It's just, <laughs> just be <do> aware it. <laughs> of it. <laughs> yep. Try and go to practice and try and change your perception because yeah. you know what they find is when they put their shoulders into that neutral position, it feels closed. Mm. And you just have to kind of say, well, that's your perception that's out. So there's no real fix for that. It's just, you know, putting, you know, when you practice creating a station or an environment where yeah. you've got feedback, whether it be a mirror, your camera, and just starting to retrain you know what you believe to be neutral and that's that's the way there's no kind of magical drill or fix it's you know sometimes yes you can look at maybe how a golfer walks into the ball and their routine yeah but effectively it's just being aware of what to look for and, and creating some awareness yeah. during practice yeah i love that i love that mirrors i think are, are just fantastic for that and obviously some video feedback anything else on that or are you going to move towards the grip well now? i was going to say grip are you included that in, in setup oh yeah let's go uh, <laughs> okay. we need to <laughs> yeah so i mean you know for me i say this and i'm sure you'll have said it before, club face is king. Mm -hmm. So how that club face is positioned through the goal swing influences so much. Um, it influences kind of what the ball does through the air, but it also influences how the golfer delivers a club and the style of swing they've got. So if club face is king and we want to control the club face, the only part of you to touch the golf club <laughs> should be, <laughs> should be the hands. And so how the club is placed in the hands, I mean, we just can't stress how important that is. Sure. And I would say that for the majority of slicers, you know, in a if it was a I'm playing in half an hour, I need to fix my slice, the grip would be the, the go-to. Yes. Because if we can get that stronger, get yeah. it in the fingers, it will change the club face and they might pull it left, yeah. but it's gonna be a better option than, than out there. So the most common faults for a slice will be a weak hand, which means that that lead hand is rotated too much underneath the golf club. Mm -hmm. They're not able to see any of their knuckles and they wouldn't be able to see any of their logo on the glove. Yeah. Uh, and also we tend to see that linked very much with a club which runs too much through the lifeline of the palm. Too the high hand. in the hand. Yeah, almost. too high in the hand, yeah. um, which means that they struggle to kind of set and use the wrists as well. Um, and then that poor grip will generally mean the club face trends towards open and then suddenly yeah, we yeah. are slice city and, and it's it's going to be a, a tough and job to fix it. Indeed. And we'll, look, we'll always, I mean, myself and Andy talk about this a lot and, you know, a slicing or a hooking grip is only a slicing or a hooking, hooking grip if you actually do slice or hook it. So someone like Aaron, for instance, who's probably one of the, he must be one of the top 10 drivers in the world at the moment. Better in, than in, me? No, you're, <laughs> no, you're, yeah, he's 10th, you're 9th. Um, but his left hand is extremely weak. His left thumb is on the left side of the club, which is, which is very strange. But I think if you, as long as you're educated, understanding how the club face works, yeah. generally when you have a weak left hand, you may flatten the wrist off as a result, and as long as the right, absolutely, and as long as the right hand is good, then you could be okay. So it's actually on the right hand, what do you see with the right hand? So a right hand being too weak again would influence the club face, mm -hmm. and that would be you know when the hand is on top of the golf club too much, too so too to the many left. of those knuckles would be would be visible. Um, so you know a weaker grip would influence the club face to be open. If someone believes they've got a weak grip, it's effectively taking both hands and rotating them away from the target. Yep. That's strengthening both the lead and the yep. trail hand. And if you can if you can make that change, that will almost certainly influence the club face. Yeah. And we might come on to this a little bit later, depending on how we do for time, but <laughs> for me, the people that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis are recreational golfers 
average handicaps, mm. family, jobs, that kind of stuff, they play, they don't have loads of time to practice. Yeah. So the earlier in the golf swing we can make the changes, the more likely it is, you know, trying to change your downswing at 70 miles an hour in 0.2 of a second is difficult. But get the setup right, strengthen the grip, and suddenly mm. we're making changes early on in the golf swing, which are generally easier to do and we'll still give good results. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I, like, I love what you say. Stop the issues as early as you can in the swing, Absolutely. and the setup's Absolutely. a good place to start. Anything else in the setup for you? Are you happy with um, that? I mean, ball position would influence it a little bit. Uh, the difficult one there is the further forward the ball goes, it tends to influence the club to swing out to in. Yeah. But we kind of have to have it forward. So yeah. it just goes back to the points we mentioned about making sure that the body alignments are good. Um, but yeah, that would be pretty much I think, the, set of, the yeah, set of things. I think the key for me with ball position is obviously the further forward we put it, as you say, the path will be more left, but the face will be more closed. Yeah. So, and I think because club face is king, you know, generally speaking, I, I would feel more comfortable putting the ball further forward with an yeah. amateur golfer. Oh my goodness. I have no idea what that was. That's a shotgun start. That's a shotgun start. That is a proper <laughs> shotgun proper start shotgun here at the start. Forest of yeah. Arden. Unbelievable. No hooters. I hope those deers are all right shotgun, out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so look, let's, let's go into... I, th I think let's go move away. Let's talk about the move away first. Okay, so, you know, in terms of as we begin that move away, yeah, we can, we can great, fantastic T-height setup, ball yeah. position, and, and suddenly get things wrong early on. Um, the two things that would, would generally, for me, be associated with the slice would be a club face which starts to roll too open. Mm -hmm. So I can have a, a strongish grip and still fan the club face way open. So we'll talk a little bit about the club face. And then for me, just lack of rotation. Um, you know, if I had to say that in a kind of nutshell, what would I look for in a backswing to, for someone to fix the slice? I'd like to see the club face strengthened. Yeah. And I'd like to see some depth in the hands and the arms, which yeah. comes from body rotation. So, you know, someone's maybe a little bit static in the legs, doesn't rotate the upper body as well in that early move. The hands and arms are often going to be forced more upwards. Yeah. Um, and then if we link that with a, a club face which is rolled open, we've got a, a backswing <laughs> which has got no depth and it's got an open club face. Lovely. And then even the most talented, skilled golfer out there is going to yeah. struggle. So I would generally like to see, in the takeaway, I'd like to see the lead wrist move from probably a setup is going to be a little bit cupped. I'd like to see it move towards flat. Yeah. Uh, a great visual for anyone out there would be to feel like the club face just stays pointing at the ball mm -hmm. for, for a little bit longer. Yeah. That generally will control that lead wrist early on. So that's the club face under control. And then just starting to kind of get the lower body moving, get the upper body moving. And, and really just having the idea that the hands are working on an inward arc in the backswing. Yeah. Um, and just as a, again, as a visual or, or concept, just trying to get the grip of the club sort of more over your heels at the top. Yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, we're going into the- You have done the whole backswing You have done the whole backswing now. And this is good because it's where we have to go, obviously. So when you're talking about the pivots, I've got a question for you, I suppose, really, is that I think when we were first started, playing golf and we were being taught to play golf yeah. and we've been taught we obviously wanted to be good players and and we were we were <laughs> yeah, we made it yeah at some point um that was a while ago maybe but when you talk about how we were taught then and how the modern day golfer swung then about the very low amount of hip turn that they would have you know some I always remember, was it Hank Keeney having less than 30 degree hip turn but having a nearly 100 degree shoulder turn and yeah. we talk about this lack of hip turn in the backswing. Do you think anyone's coaching that still? Because it, co it was coached a lot. 45 degrees Absolutely. was the maximum, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, back when we were a bit younger, do you remember the, there was a lot of golfers coming out of Sweden? Mm -hmm. Really kind of stable, yeah, 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 was yeah. it? Uh, Hegman, Joachim Hegman, yeah, exactly. Perot, Johansson. Really kind yeah. of stable. And, you know, I've done, I've done posts 
in the past about you know hit rotation and trying to free it up. And I guarantee when I do a pose like that, someone will always drop down in the corner box and say, "Yeah, well, Brooks doesn't do that." Yeah, and I'm like, if Here's you a fade. are, if you are, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you are that 0.2% yeah, yeah. of the golfing population or super talented, you have a kind yeah. of different set of rules. Yeah. You know, I know that the people I reach out to and deal with through socials are that kind of average golfer. Flexibility maybe isn't yeah, what yeah, it should be, sure. and so we have to kind of play by a different set of rules, yeah. really. So, you know, as a, you know, certainly I wouldn't, I would never look at Brooks and say he needs to turn his hips more. Mm. But I think for ninety-nine percent of the golfers out there who are looking to improve, it's only a good thing. And uh, don't get me wrong, you can overdo it, you can spin the hips and kind of, you know, load into your left side. But I just think, for me, just and the way I like to coach it is, I don't really tell someone to turn the hips more. I just say, don't restrict them. Mm. Just as you're moving the club away, just allow them to freely move. Yeah. And I think if we can allow them to freely move, that's a better way to think about it rather than actually getting someone from setup to go, right, in this back, so I'm going to really rotate my hips loads. It's more a case of actually just not locking them in place. But I don't think it's taught anywhere near as much as it was. I would, I would hope not. I would hope not. It sounds like the new social media feud is uh, starting again now with you and Brooks now. Obviously, <laughs> he's got rid of Bryson. He's going to start on Chris Ryan Golf. <laughs> I, look, I, I, I did some filming the other day and I was doing this, uh, this Fix My Slice plan and I was talking about the sway or yeah. the lack of rotation and yeah. the, in that you get in the pelvis. And obviously, sway is, is just as bad almost as a, as yeah. a lack of rotation. But I, I stood there and I was like, right, I, I'm going to turn my hips 70 degrees in the backswing now. And I guarantee you, I know I'm going to hook it. Yeah. I know I'm going to create a path which is underneath the plane. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and I hit this big high toe hook. And great if you're a slicer, because I know I shifted the path a lot further to the yeah, right. Yeah. Just by focusing on rotating your pelvis more. And I yeah. think as much as you mentioned the club face is the king, I think the queen is the pelvis for me. You yeah, know, yeah. If we can control yeah, that, agreed. it helps with ball striking with the irons, but it really can help with the path mm. as well. Well, I had, a, I had uh, two people <coughs> in yesterday, uh, father and son. Um, the son, good player, but he was a left-right player. Mm. It, it's mine, definitely a slice tendency. We neutralised that, didn't give him one dousing thought. No, all back club facing the control and got him to rotate more, and, yeah. and it, was, it was better. So I, I massively agree. And go back to what you said about the sway. I mean, as soon as you say sway and slice, I just think Monty. Yeah. You know, yeah, you look yeah, at Monty yeah, from face yeah. on, hips would slide, yeah. head would almost tip, yeah. and that pattern is always going to be associated mm. with arms that go pretty high, yeah. and, you know, cutting across the golf ball. So, yeah, you know, if you're a swayer of the golf ball, a swayer of, in the body, you're not going to be rotating well, mm. you're not going to be pivoting well. So, like you say, the more you can get that pivot, the path's going to change, and suddenly you're in a. Imagine, if, Mon imagine if Monty had stopped his sway. He'd been ruined, wouldn't he? If he'd have tried to draw the ball, we'd have <laughs> never heard of it. I think he had a spell, didn't he, when he tried to do it, and I think he got rid of it real quick. Yeah, but I think, I think, you know, if you put him under pressure, he could hit the draw, but he would, yeah. he'd always yeah. go to the fade if he if he could, because that was just how he swung the golf club. You know, yeah. his, his style of swing did not suit the draw, did it? So he was yeah. never going to be as successful that way. All right, so from what we're saying, we pretty much finished the podcast, I think, because we don't need to worry about the downswing. <laughs> but, so, just in the downswing... Maybe, maybe the transition, sorry, we have to go transition first and as the club's approaching the top of the backswing potentially. Actually, is there anything else in the backswing that you want to talk about? Anything with wrist angles or anything like that at the top? I mean, you kind of mentioned that already. But yeah, I think, I think similar to what I was saying before, I'd, I'd like to control those angles early on yeah. um, and take that lead wrist from a slightly cup to a flatter position. Mm -hmm. In my experience, you mentioned transition there, golfers can take a wrist which is slightly cupped, which it generally should be, depending on the grip style, and they can flatten it out early on by keeping the club face looking at the ball. The, the place where that is more likely to change is in that transition, yeah. simply because they start to apply more force to the club, there's yeah. more energy, and they, they can start to then you know, twist it in, in this way. Um, 
that's the key yeah. move because you know you can get that club under control and as soon as you start to apply a bit of force to the hand it can start to s spin open so yeah. almost the opposite feeling would be would be really good so what you're saying is there as we get to the top with a flat wrist if we then cup it back to almost where it started at setup as you start your transition it's, a, it's game over because as Correct. we know steepens the shaft but also it gets the face wide open it, this is a, a tricky one sometimes to talk about in a podcast because obviously visuals on this would yeah, be really I'm doing good a lot of visuals here yeah, in we, 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 yeah if you're watching this on the website you're fine because we, you know but i think people will get uh, the, the understanding that we're after or at least somewhere where you can start looking at your golf swing but i think yeah, yeah if you start cupping your wrist as you're swinging down it's game yeah. over but having said that trying to get people to actually flatten or bow their wrists excuse me, as they swing down, that's really hard, isn't it? Really hard. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is because that there's a lot of force going on. Yeah. They're starting to apply a lot of speed. The, you know, the, the, for the podcast people who aren't watching, the, the knuckles on your lead hand, mm -hmm. think about the knuckles on the forearm. What we're really saying is at the top of the golf swing, you want to feel like those knuckles are being pulled away from that forearm. Absolutely. More common is for the knuckles to get pulled towards the forearm. Yeah. Now, yeah. you've generally got more range of motion in this pull yeah. movement, yeah, which yeah. is why it tends to want to go. This is kind of the path of least resistance. Um, and, and it's interesting when I talk to people a little bit about this and they're kind of saying to me like, really, I should be doing that? And they go, I should be kind of twisting my wrist and then twisting it and they're kind mm. of, the best players do that? Mm. You think they do, but they've probably never thought of it. Yeah. It's just the way that they naturally, naturally swung it. And, you know, we're lucky now in an age where we can, we can measure most things and when we measure what that wrist is doing, we know that the best players are actually, you know, flattening or bowing that wrist in the dowel. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, but again, 99 out of 100 of them wouldn't know they're doing it. But the opposite movement is, is yeah. more present in the, in the slices. Yeah, so, they'd, yeah they'd have figured that out by themselves without 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 even absolutely knowing that they do it. Beating balls as a junior, figuring out how to make it go straight. Yeah, you know they 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 figure it out the right way, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Hi everyone, Andy here. Just letting you know about something that we've created just for you. MeAndMyGolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is, what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was, was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans. And we've seen some amazing results from these plans. And these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game so you don't have to think or worry about what to do. We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score, fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well and we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game so make sure you head over to me and check out your free trial with no obligations to join check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community so obviously we i think we're talking slice now we're going into the downswing area and we talk we've transitioned downswing the over the top the steepening of the shaft the floor is yours thoughts <laughs> <laughs> um so here's my my kind of take on it when we make a decent backswing, the hands and the club head move upwards, and they also move quite a bit inwards from where they started. So the club head would be behind the ball, and then it moves inwards. And I think when we get to the top, there can be, you know, a bit of a kind of a, an idea or a feeling of well, I need to get that club head back out to the ball, which mm. they do. But what I tend to find is that 
if I was to put my hand or arm in any position in the backswing and I started to rotate my body towards the target, that would create an outward move of the hands. So if we rotate our body towards the target, that moves the hands and the arms outward. That's what we want to use to get the club back in front of us. What I find is that golfers get to the top, they then use their hands and arms to move the club out, and then as they rotate the body, it's gone too far out. So what I actually like to, to baby people to get, if you can imagine the golf ball was at 12 o'clock, so to your trail side would be three o'clock and behind you would be six o'clock. When you get to the top, you almost need to try and feel that you push the, the hands and the club head down to around about four or five o'clock. Now, when you isolate that move, that's where the hands and the club will go and it looks wrong. But when you make that movement and then add some body rotation, suddenly you're in a great delivery position. So I think for me, a little bit of concept, concepts, trying to get to understand, the arms have to feel like they go down to sort of four or five o'clock. Mm -hmm. It's the body rotation that brings them more back in front of you. I think golfers get to the top, they try and move the hands of the club back in front, then they rotate and suddenly it's, it's way out in front yeah. of them. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's just trying to get the club to, to change how it starts down because once that initial change of direction's poor, no so would you do, and I don't want to go too much into the drills because I think you're going to give me some of the end here, but would you, would you recommend the golfers take all of the effort level out of their downswing and their, and their shots and maybe just focus on what the arms are doing first, re-educate how they move and then put the body back in? Yes. Okay. I, I, would, I would say, for me, a process I go through is, is get them into a decent position at the top yeah. and then get them to work on what the arms do. Mm. And, and you know, if we think about the trail arm, starts straight-ish, a little bit of bend. Top of the backswing, it's a lot more bent. Mm -hmm. Might not be, let's say it's 90 degrees bend, there's a kind of right angle in there. If you took a slicer, that 90 degree bend in that arm would stay for far too long. Mm. So as they start to push out and they rotate, the arm is bent, the arm is bent, the arm is bent, and the downward motion of the club and the hand arrives far too late. Yeah. So it's out and it's down the chop. You look at the best players from the top of the goal sing, that right arm pretty much straight away will start to mm. lengthen, start to straighten. Now it never gets straight, and I no. never want anyone to feel like they've got to throw the club away. But you know, great visual for anyone out there is to get to the top of their goal swing, hold their body rotation, and just feel like you start to push that right arm a little bit further away, mm. and that the hands and the club will start to move down towards more of a four or five o'clock position, which on its own looks wrong. Yep. But then when you start to engage the body turn, suddenly you're in a delivery position where the hands are much lower and the club is in a different position, mm. and we'll come to this in a minute, but if the hands are lower, we can start to then deliver the club on an upward hit, rather yeah. than that slicer who's holding that right arm too bent, and then it chops down across the ball, which down. is a, a pattern. It all sounds all too familiar for people listening for to this people, or watching yeah. this, I'm sure. Okay, so uh, and through the ball, what are your thoughts through the ball, and what, what sort of things that you're seeing? So, one of the things I say to, to the people I coach is if you change where the club comes from, you need to change what it does through the impact. So someone who's an out-to-win swinger, you know, even if the club face was in a very neutral position, if they're swinging out-to-win, they're going to need to kind of hold the face open to, to get the ball to, mm -hmm. to come back. If you match that release with an into-out path, you've got worse golf shots. Yeah. You know, so if you change where the club comes from, which we really want to, you need to change what it does through the impact. So you know, for me, it's a case of getting the club face under control, get in the position at the top where we needed to be, start to get the transition correct to get the club into a nice delivery position, and then giving the golfers some different ideas about what they threw, do through the golf ball. Now I know I've stolen this from your videos, catch the raindrops, mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing that we work on. And because impact is a moment in time, it's a 
it's yeah. done like that. It's really hard to give people something to do with impact. You do this as impact. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I think if you can give them a pretty decent transition, get the club into a fairly decent delivery position, and then give them a position they're trying to achieve kind of on the way through, which is mm. what that drill is that, that you guys do, they're going to kind of do the right thing through the ball. Mm. It's almost like, you know, connecting the dots. You're here and we want you to be here. And if you do that, you'll, you'll be pretty good through the impact area. Yeah. Because if you start to say to people, you know, wanting to release the club, they're, they're asking questions like, well, when do I do it? Do I do it here or here? And it's just really difficult. So I think if you can get a good delivery position, work on that rotation of, of that kind of drill that you do, Cats Range Ops. We know that we're starting to rotate the forearms and we know that that's starting to close the face. And for, for a slice right there, you know, if you're an out-to-win swinger, which is generally the pattern for a slice, you won't have closed the face. Mm. Because if you do, it's worse, it's left going left. So you know, if you're a chronic slicer who's only ever sliced, you've probably never ever got that toe turning over. No. Um, and so it's a really strange feeling for many golfers, yeah. but it's, it's so key to do that. Because if you only ever change the delivery and you don't change the re release, you're yeah. making people worse. Uh, and yeah, I think we'll be talking about this when we when we come to how you would train this now, which I'm going to do straight away. But uh, yeah, let's go into it. Actually, let's go into how. So give me, give me two, three, four, five of the best ways that you get people to stop slicing. Bear in mind, we're on a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> five drills explained. Um, so so number one would be just grip. I have to go grip. Yeah. Um, I do this. This is one of my go-to grips. I'm trying to go-to grip tips. That's yeah. Easy to say. Um, a T. Everyone yep. should have a tee. High between the thumb and the kind of the V between your thumb and your index finger. On your left hand. Yeah. If you place a T in there, yep. hold it, place your lead hand on the club, hold the club out in front of you. It's where is that T pointing relative to the club shaft. If mm. it's in front of the club shaft, yep. you need to change it. Pointing towards the target, we don't pointing want that. It, you need to change it. You need to rotate your hand more on top of the golf club until the T points about down the club shaft. Yeah. Slightly behind it would be okay, it's slightly strong. And the yep. key word there is about. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a guide. It, I don't want anybody looking at it going, oh, it's a degree in front of the, it's just to kind of say, you know, if mm. you've got a really weak grip, this will highlight it straight away. And that will work with a trail hand as well. Yeah. So T between the index finger and the thumb, take your grip and just rotate your hand on top of that golf club until it points slightly behind the club shaft. Do it with both hands nice. and then you've got a neutral to strong hold. Perfect. That's okay. the first one. All right. Like that one. Love it. Second one would be, um, and again, these aren't necessarily drills, but you could use them as drills. So the second one would be taking this lead wrist and flattening it out. Yeah. So this would be a case of, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm demonstrating here, but if I, was to, <laughs> if I was to hold a golf ball in my lead hand, if I simulate a grip and hold a golf ball in my lead hand, open my hand, the ball would fall out. Yeah. So I want a golfer to take their normal grip, and then as they move away, move that hand into position where if they open up the hand, the ball would stay on their palm. Nice. So their palm is sort of facing almost down to the right of them mm. or away from them. And then in that early takeaway, we're kind of curling that hand under yeah. so you could hold the golf ball. And all that's really doing is taking that wrist from a, a sort of cut position to a flat position, which for me, we have to do. Like we said right at the start, the earlier we can do it in the golf swing, the better. Yeah. Because it's just lower speed. It's, it's just a little bit easier to do. So that would be a, a sort of wrist position. The club face would then feel like it's always pointing at the ball. And mm. it kind of feels like it's pointing more down at the ground and at the ball. Nice. So that would be a, a second drill. And then really it would be a, a transition drill. Um, I use an impact bag, yeah. a smash bag, which is effectively just a big bag and I've got it full, filled with towels and blankets. See the Martin Chuck one, tall striker one down yeah. there now. So 
people at home want to have that get a little creative cushions whatever yeah, it may yeah. be but a smash bag is great and i'm going to try and explain this now it would depend a little bit on the club you're using let's say i'm using a, an iron a mid iron i want that bag set kind of in line with my feet yeah but probably some three to four feet away from me okay and what i'm going to do is i'm going to get the golfer to the top and i'm basically going to get them to swing down and hit the bag okay now because of where the bag is positioned it's effectively meaning that if they start to spin the shoulders out move the hands out, yeah. just, they can't hit the bag. Yeah. So it, it's really a, a drill to get them to feel as if from the top of the golf swing, the whole of the body rotation, and the arms are being sort of forced yeah. downwards into the ground. Um, and again, it wouldn't, if they do that drill and video it, it wouldn't look like a golf swing. It's, yeah. it's not got all the elements in there that we need, but it's really to try and encourage them to get their arms kind of off their chest a bit earlier and actually kind of more down towards the ground. So what I'm gonna do with this one is, because this is quite hard to sort of visualize maybe, we're gonna video this and we'll put it on okay. our Instagram and Facebook okay. on the same day that this podcast goes live. Okay, perfect. Okay. So that would be a great transition drill. And then uh, this bag is getting a lot of use now. <laughs> this would be another one for path. So the, the impact bag that I use has got a flat or a straight edge. Mm -hmm. So if I place that, so the back of it is at 90 degrees to my target line. If I swing out to win, I hit the bag and it creates a spinning motion in it. Yeah. So I would angle the bag fractionally, so it's sort of angled at the right hand side. Yeah. And then get the golfer to feel they hit the bag with no spin. Mm. And if they can deliver the club on a slightly in to out path, the bag would just roll over. Yeah. If the path is out to win, the bag really spins. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I like those kind of drills is because it's a it's a task drill. You're mm -hmm. building an image of what they're trying to do, and then theoretically you could sort of give that task to a golfer and just kind of let them go out there for an hour and they'll kind of self-organize themselves and they'll sort of figure out a way a way to do it and very often those drills do take a bit of time it's yeah. not one swing and it's done it's no. kind of a few swings and oh, that bag spun and then they'll try a different move and that didn't work and they they kind of self-organize and yeah we can guide them down but i really like drills that allow the golfer to sort of figure it out for themselves a little yeah, bit. yeah no i like that i like that uh and then club face through the ball and I'm just going to steal your, <laughs> okay, your little exercise. It's Martin Hall's actually, oh, so it? we stole oh, it from okay. him. It's so passing on. It's passing <laughs> it's, on. Yeah. Um, but I like that because it's the simplicity, it gives them a visual where they're trying to get to and effectively it's allowing the lead arm um, to kind of fold correctly yeah. and allowing the forearm to rotate which in turn allows the toe of the club to turn over. Um, and we have to do that because if we're changing path we have to let that club face yeah. release through. And I think, I think those are the drills that I found you know, over my years of coaching, tend to work the best. Mm -hmm. They tend to um, give the goal for the best way of feeling the right movements. Um, and, and that's, for me, the process of changing the slides. Lots of people out there know what they should be doing. Yeah. But our job as a coach is to give them exercises and drills that they can, they can use in their own time to, to get the right feels and the, I love and it. the results. I love it. Couple more questions actually on this before we finish. Yeah. Would you ever, you've got like a, it sounds like you've got an order there on how you would fix it. Yeah. You mentioned earlier if someone was going out in the comp, like later that day or they're playing the program and they're warming up with you would you change the order and, and sorry and so basically what i'm saying is would you give a quick fix versus a, a permanent change yes yeah, yeah. I, I think quick fixes are fine as, as long as you as the golfer appreciate that it is a quick fix and, and and for me golf is all about balance so if you look at a player who's got a fantastic golf swing um Maybe there's no such thing as a perfect goal swing, but if there was such thing as a perfect goal swing, there's no balance. Mm. As in, the alignment is neutral, the face is neutral, the path is neutral, everything's neutral. Whereas golfers out there are often trying to play with a balance. So the club face is to the right, mm. they swing to the left, they aim to the left. There's all these things going on. So if the club face is open, we can balance that out with a strong grip. Yeah. 
it's not the best way because you, you're trying to balance these two things. Mm -hmm. but it's a great quick fix. So you know that that little T peg exercise where we said it was down the club. Get that way behind the club. Yeah, way yeah. behind the club. Why not? Yeah. Because for me, that if you think about a slicer, you know, a straight shot is is great. A draw is even better. But a pull is even probably better. Mm -hmm. So if you can give that goal for a strong club face, they'll probably still swing out to win. But if the club face is matched, they'll get a stronger ball flight. It'll probably go further. There'll be less curve in the golf ball. It might be left half, left rough, but it's more playable. So I think quick fixes are great. There has to be a little bit of um, reality that a quick fix will probably give you something better, but it probably won't give you perfect. Yeah. You know, long-term work with a student, you could probably turn their slice into a straight shot. Mm. Quick fix, I'd be saying, right, if we can get you to pull it, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, and then you can just figure out maybe aim at the right hand side. So I would literally just go strengthen that grip, get that hand so you can see all the knuckles on the left hand, get the right hand a little bit more under, start pulling it. You're probably going to add 20, 30 yards. There's less curve on the golf ball. And you know what? If that was if that was consistent, why not just carry on doing that and aim at the right hand side? For people who don't play a lot, sorry, who don't this practice a lot, they could they could just do that, and this that could it. be the way that they play. And yeah. sometimes they need a bit of calibration, like you say, catch the raindrops or something like that. Uh, look. I think the, the key with this is really, if you want to change the ball flight, change the face. If you change the face, then you've got a real chance to change the ball flight. Now, that ball flight, as you said, might be a pull left, but that's okay because you can aim right. Yep. You're allowed to aim right and, yeah. and, and then pull it left. I've got, I can think of hundreds of golfers, I can't think of all the, all the hundred, but I can think of a lot of golfers who I've taught over a long time now who they haven't really had the mobility to swing anything other than over the top in their downswing. Yeah. And we're going, do you know what? We're going to shut that face down. We're yeah. going to aim you miles right, and you're going to play a pull draw. Yeah. And I've got a great example. In fact, uh, Richard Mansell, who's uh, on the European tour now, his dad, John, taught John for a long time. He used to teach Richard a long time ago as well. And with John, he could not, not he, he couldn't get the club on plane on right. the way down. He had no chance. He had no chance. Physical limitations. So we got him to hit these pull hooks. And he was great on the range, and he was great on the golf course, yeah. until one of his playing partners said, huh. when he did hit that one that went straight, oh, you were aiming there. Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly his brain is yeah, shot. Yeah. Well, hang on, John, you hit seven shots before from aiming right that hit the fairway. So, yeah. But I think you know, sometimes you've got to do what it takes. We'll always say, as I think I love what you said at the beginning of the podcast, which is the earlier you can fix the source of the slice, the better. Because yeah. as you say, it, good players, I said this to someone the other day, good players, the backswing isn't irrelevant, but it can be with some good players if they're talented enough. Yep. The worse you are or the less skill you have, the more important it is that you are better earlier on, 100%. like you say. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think super high, talented, skilled, whatever you want to call it, golfers, Yeah. Yeah. you get them to stand too far away from the ball, too close, it doesn't matter. No, They'll get the top of the ball. But as you start to get into the handicap golfers, technique becomes more important because they don't have that yeah. skill level. So we Great. have to get things under control. We have to get the club face sorted. We have to get things in position. And, and I think exactly what you said there, the earlier we can do that, the better. Because even the most talented golfers, thinking of dowsing thoughts when you're out on the course yep. with the card in your pocket, it's difficult. I love that. I love that. Now, before we round up, make sure if you have enjoyed this, leave us a review and um, hit the ratings, obviously. Five-star rating, I think, for something like that. We've just given them there. That value in that one, Chris Ryan. Your whole podcast should <laughs> be five-star rated, not just this one. But take it, if you are listening to it as well, take a screenshot and share it on social. Tag uh, me and my golf and tag Chris Ryan golf in it as well. And obviously let us know that it proves some value to you. But what is going on for you now? What's, what's next for you? I haven't, we've played golf and I haven't really asked you. What's, what's next for you? Just building up my website, really, which is um, 
a place where I feel like I can get a little bit more of my coaching style across. Yep. YouTube, the way YouTube is and the way socials are, it's very short, condensed stuff. And you know, you imagine what we've just spoken about here in fixing a slice. You couldn't put that video on a social platform no. because it's far too in-depth. So Indeed. my website is where my focus is. It allows me to create these more in-depth video series, similar to what you do with your coaching plans. Yeah. Um, you know, take, I can take golfers through you know, a, a process of how I would work with someone individually to get them from where they want to be, sorry, where they are to where they want to be with a game. And I've got two, other, two on there at the moment. I've actually just, I'm not just saying this, I've just filmed a Fix Your Slice series. No. So good timing, but I mean, it won't be up on there for a few months. But it allows me to be a little bit more in depth and, uh, and I guess I've put a little bit more of my coaching style in. Uh, versus the stuff online, so that's my focus. That. So that'd be a couple of months away, you say, yeah? By the time I've got it edited up there, it'll be a couple okay. of months, yeah, well, ready for the off-season. Make sure you check that out, make sure you check that out. Thanks so much, mate. Good Pleasure. to see you. Good to see you, as always. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time, or you will hear us next time on the Me and My Golf Podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it, and if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.